I'm trying to think of what an asymmetric musical would be. Well, um, I yeah, I have no idea what that would. What each would faction is a different musical style. Or? It's a different musical style. That's yeah. easy. They already. But that's do what that. they all do. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was but. just gonna say it's it's like we go beyond just like a song style to like a theater style. So there's like immersive theater. Right. There's like a dinner murder mystery. There's yes. like <laughs> the vagabond is just improvised. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, improvised yeah, there you theater. Go. Yeah. <laughs> the birds is like Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredibly like structured, yeah. rigid. Yeah. Yeah, um, iambic but pantameter. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. in meter. Yeah, yeah it's in oh. meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moles is immersive down in the basement of the theater. <laughs> um, the keepers and iron is like somebody giving like a TED talk about like Moliere or something. <laughs> oh, the moles are Moliere, like rhyming couplets. Uh, yeah, 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 rhyming okay. couplets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, then we have the Corvids, right? And that's like street theater. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. like, you know, growing they, like, tomatoes. Commedia dell'arte. Right. Somebody from the crowd stands up and like starts heckling one of the actors and it turns out like they're one of the performers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The alliance is just overly political and like they can't oh. even stay in the story. They keep like soapboxing the, talk the whole The talkback at the time. end is the alliance. The talkback oh, talk is longer at... than the play. <laughs> <laughs> the play ends with a giant mirror that comes down and makes the audience look at themselves. It is a real end to a real play. I mean, well, for the Alliance, my thing is that it, there has to be some kind of revolt, right? Where, like, they go up and, like, just, like, rip down the set. And then they're yeah. like, this is our play now. Enough, enough theater jokes. We we really have to keep this moving, okay? I don't want to have to waste time on my turn here, okay? We got to get this <laughs> get the show on the road. Should we like time our contributions to this episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on the clock here because uh, I played a game recently with some uh, very skilled root players. I'm talking Humberto. I'm talking Jerem Curry. I'm talking Walrus Law and Marcus wow. the Cat. Okay. This was the lineup that I was in. They all knew what they were doing. And one of the first questions they had for me was like, um, I was listening to an episode recently and it was like, I was like 20 minutes in. And I'm like, are these guys even talking about Root? <laughs> <laughs> and I ever since then, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta rein it in, folks. 20 enough, minutes? Uh, enough baby man chat, okay? <laughs> we have a game that people expect us to talk about. I trimmed out a good 10 minutes of that stuff. And we I still believe were you. where we were at. I believe you. So needless to say, we need to get the show on it. Hey, welcome. It's Woodland War Machine. Um, <laughs> Jake wow. hates when I introduce the show. Uh, I, <laughs> but I keep it in. I still keep it in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm yelling at the c computer when I'm editing. <laughs> I'm, I'm yelling at a, a you that's not here. Yeah. <laughs> um, because today's episode, we're talking about Time. <laughs> Let it sink in and then move along quickly because we got to keep it rolling. Yeah. Um, yes, today's episode is all about time. It is the element uh, of Root that I don't think has ever gotten a spotlight before today. And I think we're, we're going to shed some light, hopefully, on 
this um, hitherto unexplored territory. Yeah, and and to be clear here, we're not talking about like tempo. Like, are you? Did you craft coins on turn three? You know, we are talking about actually timing your turns and route the duration of a game, and really kind of what that means in a competitive tournament setting. Um, we'll kind of get into this more. Uh, but just to shape everyone's idea, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about timing. You guys, I'm so excited. I've been like chewing on this, like shower thoughts about how to get a timer into root for such a long time. And like, it is, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> to present the results of a lot of like theory crafting and research that we've done. Yeah. All right. Well, hit pause on that timer, Kyle, because first we got some root there is an internet browser app version of Root. Kyle, you brought this to my attention a couple weeks ago. Can you explain to me what this is? It's amazing. This is uh, the best new piece of Root technology that exists. <laughs> um, technology it's of the year at the Rooties. <laughs> um, to yeah, JT. <laughs> JT created uh, like a browser app. You basically like go to the link that we'll put in the description and you can just set up a game of root. It's got all the new factions from Marauders expansion. Um, it's got exiles and partisans deck, even a couple of fan factions and fan maps as well. And it's uh, it's pretty great. You can play it hot seat styles. You can like pass a phone around or whatever. Um, and I think there's some online capability as well, although I haven't tried any of that to be fair. For me, it's like a solitaire kind of experience. So I pick a faction that I want to get some reps in with. I play against the bots, which are not not good. They just sort of like do whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do it so fast and it comes right back around to your turn. And you just get the chance to like get some reps in. Uh, so this is what, how I'm training for Keepers and Iron right now. I'm just playing Smart. a bunch of like dummy games, solitaire style. So I can like, you know, I, I set dumb goals for myself. Like, can I get to the opposite corner on turn one? <laughs> no. Okay, what about turn two? And try and just like figure out like how to make that work. Um, it's super fun. I I really have enjoyed it. Um, I play it before bed like every day now. It's the best. It's my unwind. Nice. So JT, great work. Also, I got to imagine because everything goes through the browser and every action is accounted for, you could collect some serious data. I don't know if JT is or what the future of that looks like, but. Um, <laughs> Similar to the app, it's just like because everything is, you know, has to be programmed in like that data is available and proprietary. I mean, he owns all of that data. So he's already mining that right now. <laughs> I mean, how how how, much... how many identities have been stolen by JT? <laughs> Can he recreate Kyle <laughs> if needed? All right. I'm getting lots of advertisements for figures, tablets. <laughs> it's actually kind of spooky. So, honestly, check out the browser. Super, super rad. Okay. We also got a shout-out to New E6000's automated setup program for IRL Root. So, Kyle, walk me through this, because I don't know a lot about this. I don't know why okay, I yeah, this is... it. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, good, good. Um, well, it was on the page. I know it was just word salad, but, like, it's <laughs> actually this, like, really great thing. This also could compete for technology of the year. Whoa, um, it's going to be a hot Rudy's this year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Nui6000 created this. Um, it's, like, a also a web browser app type of situation. But it takes you through ad set. You just, like click through each step. 
um, of setting up the board, of picking your deck, choosing each faction, and going through one by one. It collects all of the ad set rules into one streamlined, like, step-by-step process. So clean. It looks amazing. And instead of, like, everybody having their face in their kind of, like, player board or, like, individual ad set card, instead, we can just get out a phone and, like, all do it together. Um, So, yeah, it's laid out really nicely. You get to customize the setup based on the root components that you have, which is a great feature. Like, personally, I don't have um, the Underworld expansion, so... Which is a, totally a bummer. Um, you know, I'm you can working join on Patreon. It, I'm trying. I'm uh, working that's, on it. That's funny. I also don't have the Underworld expansion on my hard copy. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Wait, so you have Marauder that, and can... Riverfolk, Jake? I do have Marauder and Riverfolk. <laughs> Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's a crucial gap there. Yeah. Uh, join our Patreon uh, over Good Time Society. Uh, so <laughs> the <laughs> you can customize it, and then when whenever it pops up, like it'll randomize the faction selection for you if you want... I, I think that the best IRL game setup has a mixture of both, right? Some people are like, hey, I'm feeling the winter map. Like, let's do that. But then let's pick the factions randomly. Sure, or sure. Uh, so you can do all of that kind of at each step of the ad set process, ha- exactly how you want to do it. Um, and it's great. Uh, my favorite feature is once you get to the faction selection step, you click the faction and a beautifully laid out... Uh, like a faction setup list pops up and you can just follow it step by step. Everything looks beautiful. It's super great. Thank you, Nui6000, for contributing another great piece of root technology to the technosphere. <laughs> yeah, this was our tech segment, I guess. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that's all for root news. Uh, let's kick it to our main topic. Mm-hmm. Time? Time? (laughs) Clock? I am the time master. All right, so how... All right, so Kyle, what you... I'm getting ahead of you, but what you're proposing here is timing your turns and route. Yeah, if you get down to it, that is precisely what I am pitching. All right? But there's a lot that that we got to discuss first. Because also just like, what? why would this even be a topic? Currently, in every tournament of Root that's ever happened, there's not there's no clocks in sight. Right. No, no one has timed Root, uh, except maybe on Root Digital. Right. There's like that little turn timer. Right. I guess thing technically, there's a three minute turn timer in Root Digital. Right. And it's like every action you take resets it to three minutes. I, no, no. It's at the start of your turn, you get a certain number of minutes, and you kind of go through. Right. Mm-hmm. Which basically helps to prevent like a timeout situation or like somebody disconnecting and at least the game can still make progress and you can get replaced with a bot or something the nice thing about that for at least for root digital is you know everything is automated so there's really not too many instances where you're going to run into like time pressure in a meaningful sense like you still have a lot of time to make a decision about stuff um it just kind of prevents the game from getting stuck which is nice it's great so it doesn't really exist in root in general. It's it only exists in the digital implementation time that is right. And so you had initially brought this up, I believe, when we first talked about it was our conversation on the fiftieth episode. We were just talking spitballing ideas about what to include, right? And the element of time, which you've of course been inspired by in chess, I'd imagine most prominently amongst other things, uh, adds a pressure that you want included at a competitive level. Not, and I mean, people can also do it informally at a non-competitive, but you think it should be added as a way to make this strategic game even more strategic? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we just we we are very lucky in the root community that the players who show up to tournaments and stuff are pretty uh, on board to play ball. You know what I mean? That like they they don't hold up the game unnecessarily too often. Yeah. To like really crunch through all the possibilities. But the thing is, is like with chess, because it's a game of perfect information. At a certain point, you could just sit at the board all day and all night. If there was not a timer and like manually brute force your way through all the variations until you found the right one, at least further than your opponent could, who wouldn't have the same level of patience. Right. So clocks and chess kind of function as this necessary limitation on the human ability to calculate. And it, it means that you are using your time in like an active way and you're kind of forced to be you're you're forced to like use it well and be efficient because the player who is uh working through those variations at a higher speed more efficiently more accurately is going to perform better over the course of the game and so there's like a reward there um that I think is kind of valuable and I think it's it puts like an interesting kind of pressure on players to be imaginative and use their time as wisely as possible so for those of you that might not un- not know how time works in chess, the the pressure that Kyle's referring to is the fact that if your timer run your timer is counts down from a, a set number depending on your format. And if it manages to reach 0, you lose the game. <laughs> Whereas like a lot of the timers that people might be familiar with, for instance like in sports, penalties are occurred, right? Or like where they have to like take yards or they have to add a different time or they get a flag or other things. In chess, it's a doom clock. It is a win condition. So that's a very real pressure, which I assume is uh, what we're talking about here is root is there's probably that same pressure of losing the game. Well, I'm glad you brought that up cuz like there's there's almost no competitive games without clocks which i think is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. yeah even even like you know as well especially maybe like football um soccer hockey basketball all these games um that are you know more physical than like board games are timed like it's you you have a clock in basketball which you have to shoot the ball or turn it over right, right? it's like 35 seconds from when you cross the like halfway line so like that time pressure, that pressure to, like, do something. Oh, well, I guess you have to hit the rim, right? You have to take a shot. You have to do something with the ball. Yeah, there's a lot of nuances, and we probably won't get to everything because chess has a lot of them, too, because you can reset, and then you can get additional time at the end. And... It's true. They all function very particularly and mm-hmm. in their own specific ways, which is why I think Root, you know, beyond just the, like, generic uh, need or the kind of, like, philosophical need to, like, add some pressure to the game in a time sense, uh, needed to have clocks be implemented in a root-like fashion in a way that is contoured around the specific game of root basically what what i hope to persuade everyone who's listening to this podcast about is that adding timers in the way that i would propose it fits root particularly well and would would do like three things i think one is it would prevent games from going into a phase of unproductive table talk Two mm-hmm. is it would add that kind of time pressure that I think is more watchable and makes root of a higher entertainment value. And three is it, it creates a new kind of arena of strategy that rewards players who play efficiently and punishes players who are not using their time well, basically. 
because uh, if you spend all your time at the beginning, for example, then you don't have enough time to like make good decisions at the end of the game. Yeah. So it's it's one of those like situations where you are rewarded for playing fast. I think I think in the case of number two, which I really appreciate, is that it's much more watchable. I think it's also much more fun and like high stakes for the players as well. Because if you can be efficient, that throws the ball in your opponent's courts and puts pressure on them that wouldn't exist in a time game in the same in a non time game the same way. Yes, I agree with that. I actually agree with that 100%. And uh, so to kind of do some background on this kind of idea, I, I, first of all, I knew that Root was going to be tough because, like, there's table talk. Yeah. Yeah, and, I like, feel like a lot of the games that? we're talking about are zero-sum. There are two either teams or two people, two sides of the equation, and thus a loss in time, <laughs> getting to zero time and losing the game makes sense. But in a game that's so entangled as Root, where player A's position is affected by player B being in the game and their faction contributing to the board state in however many ways that is, whether it's tokens or uh, ruling clearings or just having enemy pieces, there are much more complications. And not to mention, too, that like it's not like your turn is your own at all times either. Right. Because, like, you think about swap meet. <laughs> yeah. For example, you say, I activate swap meet. Sam, I'm going to grab a card from you. If you're in TTS. Hold on. Yeah, Kyle. it's like, hold on. I got to s- draw a box around my cards. I got to lay them on the table, put them in a group, shuffle them a couple of times. Maybe I'm taking a card off the top if I'm being really extra about it. But, like, your turn is not your own at that point. It's like there's another player who needs to cooperate with you in order to, like, make progress in the game. And so if you're low on time and just trying to get through this moment, an opponent could grief your time, you know? <laughs> well, and, and table talk is huge because table talk is necessary after every turn almost because it's like A little everything's bit, changed. Right? Yeah. You know? If you're only talking on your turn and then two consequential turns happen and then the person before you goes, like, you can't not talk. Okay. Right. Well, table talk has a cost. Mm-hmm. Like a very real cost. And so like, there's uh, this urgency about table talk that I think is actually helpful a little bit because it will make you, it will force you to like kind of get down to the deal. Get to the point. You can't be <laughs> you know? coy. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's phenomenal. I'm very excited <laughs> about this potential. Yeah. All right. I want to have a conversation before we get into how perssuasive Kyle may or may not be. Okay. No, he's already good at it. We're I actually know, back. Already, We're closing the episode. He's just very likable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we talked about the timed games, and we, we came up with a, a list of like timed board game type things that we had come up with, which is like chess, go. Jake looked up Scrabble, apparently, as time. Competitive Scrabble is timed, yep. Mm-hmm. Magic and Warhammer both have at higher levels some element of time. Whether it's like an amount to finish a certain rounds just to keep the event on schedule or whatever, but there's an element of time and I'm sure a penalty if you go over. And then uh, Matt and Hunter from Space Cats Peace Turtles, when they do their big Twilight Imperium tournaments, there are timers. Um, That's on the whole game, not on a particular person, but there Mm -hmm. is a time element that can affect how the game ends. But you said there weren't anything there weren't competitive things that weren't timed and i just brainstormed a bunch here we go we <laughs> can go. i add some, oh yeah. sorry sorry can i add some more to your list of games that are timed yes that are yes. maybe like small 
in small ways kind of root adjacent. Okay. Um, risk tournament risk has a timer. Oh, okay. Has a sixty seconds turn timer. Yeah, I just watched a bunch actually. There's there's a great um, a Twitch streamer and YouTuber that that I watched. Really? Uh, called Kill Pete. Kill Pete strategy. I know a uh, competitive Catan is also timed. I believe. Mm. Uh, the game Diplomacy is timed. Yeah. Diplomacy. Good. Call. Which that game is heavy on. Table talk. Right That's now. it. Like the whole it, game. The whole game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently, so uh, most tournaments are run on a continuous clock where deadlines are 17 minutes for spring and 15 minutes for fall. They include adjudication of the previous round plus retreats and adjustments. So you're really playing a game year every 32 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like an average. So there's there's obviously a window there for turns, but I thought that was interesting because that seems like the game of all games where you just sit around table like, talk. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you, Sam, there's examples of games without clocks. That is correct. Okay, famously, baseball is not timed. Uh-huh. We did talk about how they did implement a pitch timer for quality of life reasons, and I'm sure the pitcher would be warned. I think it's pretty solid. Well, it's it's the reason they brought it up is because games were going a little too long initially. Um, this is for I believe twenty twenty three season, and it's technically it times the game because the pitchers now have to pitch. They must be- deliver their motion before the pitch timer is over. And they tested it out in the minor leagues, and then they brought it into the majors for that year. So now baseball is timed, technically speaking. Well, there's a time element. The the thing is that it's turn-based, which most of these board games are. Um, But other examples, we've got weightlifting, jumping, (laughs) archery. Okay, well, you can just... (laughs) Curling, tennis. Wait, wait, wait. Curling has a time limit, doesn't it? I don't think so. I think it does. Wait, are you just guessing on all these? Am I guessing? I don't think curling has a... He brought up curling having a timer. I don't think it has a timer. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. It's it's similar to baseball where it's like turns and innings and stuff, right? What I'm asking is is Golf. did you look it did you look it up or are you guessing? I watched curling before and I don't so remember it. Okay, you did not look it up is what you're saying. Okay. We're playing I'm this asking. game. I'm asking. I'm genuinely I didn't asking. look up everything I said. No. I know that jumping. Makes me I know you seem didn't I know irresponsible, you didn't. but you're going to like, no, I, I didn't expect you to Wikipedia jumping. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you're going to pull a list, you might not. You might want to be confident in it. I I was. Golf, I think, might have a delay of game timer nowadays. Men's and women's teams have a total of 38 minutes of thinking time for a 10-end <laughs> game of curling. What? Thinking time, Sam. They get 38 minutes of thinking time. In addition, each team may call one 60-second timeout during each game to consult with a coach. A timeout? It's curling. <laughs> like, what's going on? A it's the chess of ice sports. <laughs> According to the PGA, when in play in groups of four, groups will be required to play at a four-hour and 21-minute pace for the 18-hole round. And then it's broken down from there. Like, 13 and a half minutes per hole. Diving. Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a time limit on gymnastics for certain events. Okay. I, what's the I, point? I, of, what's your point, though, Sam? My point oh. is <laughs> that uh, I, I I don't know. I I I'm skeptical, I guess, of the idea that putting a time pressure on on root inherently will make the game better. 
I guess, right? Like, I guess it's it's a question of, do you want to see the best play possible? Or do you want the person who is able to think the quickest go through? I don't know if that's the right dichotomy, but you know what I mean? They're valuing different things. Because if people have enough time to talk, obviously we've seen that be abused is not the right word, but we've seen it be stretched to the point where the product that a viewer might see suffers, right? Yeah, 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 without a doubt, for sure. And I think that's what you're trying to fix, yeah. There are those end games that kind of go on and on and on when the outcome is, like, not going to change super dramatically based on more talking, and yet we continue to talk, right? Right. Uh, it. Yeah, I think it kind of, the idea is to cut down on the worst offenders of late game dawdling a little bit uh and there is a non-idealistic kind of more pragmatic argument as well in that at least in recent memory the like main tournaments that are organized are like indie tournaments with low budgets and it's like a very small team doing all of the work yes and so the fewer five hour games or four hour games uh the easier it is for them to do their thing and like continue to provide a great platform for us root players to get out there and test our tournament shops. But as to the quality of the game though, Sam, like, I don't know, Kyle, you're not pitching that it necessarily makes the game better, but we're talking about making the competitive element of root more competitive. Isn't that kind of the pitch? Is that right? I think what I, what I want is to add an element that will, continue to allow the strongest players to rise to the top Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if you're very strong at root having a timer means that like all the effort you've put into getting your faction mechanics down really fast visualizing the board states thinking about the maps understanding the interactions between the factions in a very intuitive and quick way all that kind of like work and effort is going to matter okay and i think like for example, if you're a brand new player, but you're generally good at board games, you could take an infinite amount of time and probably arrive at a decent decision. But with a timer in place, it's like if you're brand new at the game, like you probably won't have enough time to like make the no. most optimal decisions. No, you right? probably shouldn't be playing with a timer if you're brand new to the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no. I, it's just one more way to like uh, let the talent rise to the top, sure. I think, in a tournament type of setting. And there's there's another element here, too, that I think is interesting in Root, which is not all the factions are equally time-balanced. Right. And in fact, the factions that soak up the most time in a tournament setting tend to do better in the tournaments. For example, the Duchy does better, and the right. Eerie does better, and they both absorb a crazy amount of endgame time. Hmm. And to me, that's just a little bit like, well, okay... You picked a faction that, like, in an unlimited time scenario, like, of course you would pick that faction because, like, you're going to, like, do well, right? But in a situation where you don't have unlimited time, I don't know. Like, there's a cost to uh, trying to optimize every single tiny little thing about that faction over the course of the game. Like, with the Eerie specifically, I'm thinking about, like, it's a programming faction. And so with unlimited time, that puzzle becomes pretty trivial, but with the, when there's time pressure, there's, like, actually yeah. a task to be done. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, kind of call the shots and, like, make a, make a choice. 
Um, now, in terms of like, does that lead to the best root play possible? I, I think it will, actually, because I think it's also interesting, like players who are really, really strong with their faction mechanics and can do them really fast do also tend to be the same players who are making pretty optimal decisions, right? Like those go hand in hand. The more familiar you are with a faction, the better decisions you're going to probably be able to make about what to do on your turn. Um, and also it's nice too, because if you can play fast in the beginning of the game, you've given yourself a cushion at the end. So if you're like, I need a minute uh, on my last turn here to make sure I don't mess it up. Like you've given that gift to yourself by playing efficiently. Um, you feel It feels like you've earned it or like you've, you know, you got there because you you had a good strategy about your time. Right. You certainly haven't overstayed your welcome if everyone's allotted the same amount of time. And you just take exactly. more at the end. That's whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you've budgeted for it, then, like, good on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well a resource done. that you have to budget for, right? Uh, so I went through a bunch of, like, winter tournament games from this past year. just and, and I timed each faction for the games that I went through and just, like, kept a log of, like, how long are the turns. And, like, beginning of the game, almost every turn is around the same amount of time. It's, like, two to three minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, like, a little over three. But, like, round one, everyone is just flying. It's magnificent. We're, like, <laughs> doing the thing. By round, like, three, it starts to go <laughs> nuts. Like, players are spending over 15 minutes on the turn. <laughs> it's funny how quick that happens. It's round three. But <laughs> you're right. Really I remember that happening. Being like, we're already paralyzed here. I know. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. Yeah, I get it. I'm sympathetic to that. Absolutely. No, for sure. I've been there where I'm like, all right, I think we know what's going to happen here, you know? (laughs) Um, But I'm interested to hear the specifics of how you plan to deal with how asymmetric the factions are. That, like, how do you end someone's turn? How do you remove someone from the game? I know you're going to say that, but that's what I'm interested to hear because. I'm sympathetic yeah. to the idea that, you know, a lot of these games don't start out with a timer, magic, go, prop, chess. But to become a legitimate thing, you have to put some kind of reasonable time limit on it. Otherwise, like, we'd still be playing the chess championship, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I hear you there. So I'm sympathetic to that. So let's get into the specifics, Kyle. Let's hear your pitch. Yeah, okay, so in, in a nutshell, here's what I'm pitching for Root. And again, this is like, the the goal here is to make an, uh, a clock situation that is implementable in a Root tournament that will apply pressure to every faction in a way that doesn't break the game, right? Right. Um, so here here's it in a nutshell. Every player starts with a pool of time. I'm pitching 30 minutes to start. That's like a pretty non-aggressive pool of time for each player to start with okay so you get 30 minutes on your clock your first turn starts 29 minutes 59 seconds and it just counts down right Mm -hmm. okay at the end of your turn you are going to hit the clock hit the button on the top of the clock to stop it right you've spent all the time for your turn you hit the clock immediately you gain two minutes all right this is in chess this is called increment Basically, every time you hit the clock to end your turn, it's called add-on increment. Uh, A certain amount of time gets added back on. In chess, it's usually like 30 seconds to a minute, uh, but it depends on the format. Sometimes it's like two seconds if you're in a three-minute game. Um, In a 30-minute root clock situation, I would say two minutes added back seems pretty normal. 
So if you take your turn in less than two minutes, do you go above 30 minutes? Yeah, absolutely. If you take a 30 second turn and hit your clock, you will be at 3130. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, at end of every turn, you gain two minutes, two minute increment. Um, the, Everyone's clock, by the way, is totally visible to everyone else. So you can kind of see where everyone's at time wise. So let, let's get down to it, though. Like what happens if you run out of time? Right. That's like the whole thing. So if a player runs out of time, my pitch is you advance straight to the end of your turn. Some factions are different than others in terms of, like, required actions, mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, and so some of the, like, specifics of this clock implementation does, it, like, very much depends on the faction. So, like, there's certain things about a faction's turn that have to happen. They're, like, musts mm-hmm. and not, like, choices that the player could make, like, maze, right? I- I'm thinking so if- of, like, in the winter tournament, we saw, like, people, like, disconnect and not be able to come back or whatever. Or somebody's, like... Uh, I think somebody got like soft locked out of the game or whatever. They're like, I'm, I'm out. But like, you still have to draw cards in that scenario, right? Like a player is allotted cards and that might matter for the lost souls. That might matter for what cards are left in the deck and all of very much. Yeah. Yeah. So drawing cards is a must step on every single faction board. So that always will take place. And if you've run out of time, you will still draw cards and discard down to five as per usual. Um, and this just depends on the faction. So, for example, for the cats, if you, for whatever reason, run out of time in your, the first step of your bird song, which is, you know, obviously pretty unusual, um, you would still place one wood token at each sawmill. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a required step. And then you would go straight to the end of your turn, draw cards and discard. Right. That's it. Um, every faction has, like, at least one required step, even if it's only to draw cards. Like the Woodland Alliance, the only required step for them is to draw cards and discard. Mm-hmm. That they skip every other <laughs> that's part fun. of their turn. That's so crazy. That's their only. That makes sense. Everything else is optional. Yeah, for, like the Duchy, for example. Like you would still place that warrior in the burrow. Right. Again, that's at the beginning of Birdsong, so it's unlikely that you would run out of time. You'd always have at least two minutes to work with. But like y- you would discard or slash return any revealed cards to your hand as the duchy which just prevents a soft lock of the game so the cards aren't just stuck in limbo right Right. so like those cards would go back to the hand and then you would draw cards etc etc so what i've got are a bunch of faction scripts basically for each faction i've written down uh every step of their turn that is a is a must a required step so that if a player runs out of time they have an easy cheat sheet to look at. Like, okay, what are the, like, two things that I absolutely have to do on my turn? The hilarious thing is almost all of these take place in either birdsong or evening. And that means that the birdsong ones you're rarely going to have to do on a timeout because that's the first thing that happens on your turn. Unless, you're, I guess, you're table talking at the beginning of your turn. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's like those steps are going to be pretty safe. And like evening, think about evening. It's like live evening off the is, land. Yeah, it's like and draw and discard. That's generally yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a few others, but like that's it for most people. Right. And so it just seemed fair to me that the penalty for timeout is just that you just lose the optional parts of your turn. Right. And it's just the like strict requirements of your faction board that get that happen. Are we um, gonna touch on more specifics later about which factions and what things go down here? I think we should do it. We should just go through them because there's really not that many. Okay, yeah, because I think my biggest question right now is birds. 
Like, okay, what's going that, on with the that birds? That is the biggest exception. Yeah. In fact, we can start with birds because they're the exception. Okay, let's do that. Here's, here's why they're the exception. Birds are the only faction in the whole game that have a must-required step during daylight. Every mm-hmm. other faction, it is birdsong or evening. Mm-hmm. The Eerie is the only one with a must-step during daylight. And, and on their faction steps. board... Right. On, on their faction board, what it says is you must fulfill the decree. Right. Now, that's a tattoo we should have mentioned. <laughs> resolve the decree is you a really strong, the decree. strong Woodland War Machine merch <laughs> idea. <laughs> Here, this is, this is the one exception because it says must. But to me, it seems pretty unfair that if you run out of time with the eerie dynasties, you still get to like take as Do much time as you need to like... Right do every step and there's no way to say like okay but you know if there's a clearing available to like build in then you like auto build there right right no no you just instantly turmoil (laughs) yeah hell yeah right that that makes sense because you you, didn't do it you didn't your (laughs) turn ends yeah Uh, so what i have here is the script for the eerie is like if you're in daylight and your time runs out you turmoil it doesn't matter if you're on the build step and you just haven't chosen a clearing to build you ran out of time. You turmoil. Oh, that's so nerve wracking. Yeah, I to me that seems fair, just because like I couldn't come up with any other reasonable alternatives to that. Like any like midways. That is a really good answer though, because it is the mitigation they need, and like you can't let them do their thing. You're it's right. A, it's yeah. tough but fair. I think. I think it yeah. is fair. Yeah. And it says you must full. You must like, you know, complete every step of your decree but then every step of your decree involves choices right and so it's this kind of like nested must and that right. inside it's a bunch of like you know choices that would take time to make etc cetera, etc cetera. and so like it, it's a little bit of a weird one they have to make a choice with turmoil too because they have to pick their new leader in that point don't they correct yeah and that is not timed obviously once they turmoil you stop the time i mean they would have run out of time right so it would just be sitting at zero would they get to choose their leader? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if all the leaders are face down, we still do right. a new clutch and flip them all face up and choose, et cetera, et cetera. You do go through the steps of turmoil and you will have time to pick stuff during that point. But to me, I'm like, okay, if there's going to be a time window for a player to like, you know, hem and haw a little bit, like a turmoil seems like fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I'm sure no one else at the table is going to be upset about them taking some time. <laughs> yeah. He's gaining turmoil, an advantage right, right now. <laughs> yeah. So in, in my mind, that kind of like yin and yang makes up a little bit for uh, bulldozing the must that's written on their faction board. Yeah. It's like, well, take the time you need to like pick your faction leader or whatever. <laughs> that's like the only choice that you're going to get to make really. Um. Okay. And then, yeah, the the funny thing about the Eerie, actually, and this uh, also goes for the Lord of the Hundreds uh, and the Riverfolk as well, is that scoring points is an automated step of their turn. Right. Mm. Yeah. So the Eerie would score points based on the number of roofs that they have down. That's written as a must on their faction board. If you... Riverfolk would score dividends, for example. Yeah. So if you run out of time on your turn and you turmoil... Is that it for you in the game, or do you come back next turn? Right. So the two-minute increment always applies. I Once see. your timer runs out, you go to the end of your turn, you draw cards, you discard, you hit your clock to end your turn, just like every other turn. Okay. You get two minutes. You get two minutes back. So you get two minutes for 
next turn and basically every subsequent turn unless you can get under two minutes on a turn to give yourself a little bit of buffer absolutely interesting okay cool. for the eerie dynasties in particular it's like that first turn is going to be pretty short you don't have a big decree to work with right so it's going to be a small one right uh, i still choosing the cards though i think that's the thing that or i'd be like first of all we all know my track record in this tournament with the birds anyway but second of all like i wouldn't want to choose the birds because i'm like i i'm like hold on what needs to go in the decree like resolving the decree i basically am ready to go once i choose the cards i guess but Ooh, putting a clock on that very scary to me yeah i think that's good though because the yuri is obviously one of the strongest factions in the game and so like forcing players to be a little extra accurate about the way they play them is like i think it's a good thing in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think it's like a pretty unusual thing for players to run out of time to be honest because uh as we'll see there's actually moments when your turn is not yours alone uh and you're going to pause your clock to do certain things. So, like, one of the columns for the Eerie is to battle, right? For every card you have in there, you're going to be doing a battle. But a battle involves you asking an opponent, do you want to ambush? And then being like, hmm, do I want to ambush? So, like, mm-hmm. that would be super unfair if you were, like, low on time and you're like, okay, I initiate a battle. Like, Dutchie, what do you think? Let's Let's go. And they're like, I got to think about it. Hang on. So, in those moments when you're initiating battle... I think the fairest thing to do is just to pause the clock. Choose a clearing, choose an opponent. I initiate a battle, pause the clock. Do you have an ambush? Hmm. All battle gets resolved. Um, dice are rolled, points are scored, warriors get removed, cardboard, etc. Et like everything about the battle gets resolved. And then we unpause. Because mm-hmm. that's like the one of the parts of every turn where it, it takes two to you know right. bring it to a resolution right because if a player is like dawdling about taking their sure. warriors off the board or if they're you know whatever not moving their score marker arguing about how many hits or delts or whatever yeah it would be super unfair if that was happening on your time right yeah so to me at least it, it seems pretty fair that uh anytime your turn is not yours alone there's no time penalty going on there's no time cost for that so obviously, like, there's, there are some little in-between moments where players could try and gain a little time advantage here and there. Uh, but I've tried to make it as, as watertight as possible. Uh, um, I'm looking through the examples here, and a yeah. lot of these are really straightforward. The birds really are the exception. So many of these are just, like, drawing and discarding. Let's uh, go through, like, five more, because yeah, they're yeah, yeah. so fast. Okay, great. The cats. Place one wood at each sawmill. Draw cards and discard down to five. Great. That is the only must steps for the turn. With an alliance, draw cards and discard down to five. Vagabond, refresh items. If you're in a forest, repair and refresh items. Draw cards and discard. Check item capacity and discard items if you're over the satchel limit. That's it for Vagabond. Okay. Uh, I'll ask this question here since it seems similar. Checking item capacity. I'm thinking of also when you overdraw your hand, right? So if you have too many items or if you have too many cards in your hand and you have to get down to your limit how is that decided if you've run out of time is though are that is that item random is that card random no i i haven't said that as as a random thing so Um, they have as much time as they want to decide which item or which card to discard 
Yeah, rules as written, I guess they would, yeah. Okay. Do you think it'd be more fair if it was like a random item or a random card? To I, me, it's like I, they're, I it they're paying on... a pretty heavy penalty by getting no choices about their turn. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it depends on how punishing you want running out of time to be. The thing is, is like, in chess, running out of time is the game. And yeah, it ends your game, for sure. Yeah, maybe that would be... I, I hadn't actually considered that, Sam. I think that's a really good... I, I'm, um, I'm just really, really good thing to consider. Yeah, I'm just really curious because it's like, yeah, like, because it is like, yeah, in chess, time is the game. In baseball, they just do it for a quality of life thing so the games can hurry up. And you can't lose a baseball game on the timer. Kind of. You can. Uh, so if they go over the timer on the pitch now, they get a ball, which could walk a, okay. which could walk a batter. Okay. Uh, in soccer, you can get a yellow card for time wasting. And I suppose you could get a second yellow card for time wasting. What do yellow cards do into the game, though? If you get two, you get get kicked out. out. And then your your team is down a player. Now, technically, if we want to go with Jake's, like, like, similar to baseball with the ball thing, if a soccer team loses, like, five players (laughs) and they don't have, like, at least seven or whatever the number is, they lose. So I guess... Oh, Five man. players could I, I get two yellow to, cards. I want him to try that game. I just want to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> four or five guys just running for their life. Oh, I've seen four uh, four red cards in the game. Oh, um, my gosh. That was fun. Uh, so anyway, my point is that, like, how, how what role does the time play? Is it like a, and you didn't do what you said you were going to do in the amount of time, so you're basically done, like, we're we're trying to punish you as much as we can. Or is it just like something in the background to keep the things moving? Hopefully we don't even get there. I do think that it has to be a balance. Yeah. In all honesty, it has to be a balance between scuffing the game completely. Because it's like, you know, when you're playing in a really high level game of Root Digital and then one player like disconnects and then the bot takes over. Yeah. And how much of a like how off balance the rest of the game suddenly feels. Yes. That's that's a situation that I don't want to like impose onto tournament route right you know what i mean with like a time situation so i'm really i was like looking for a way to like the punishment for running out of time is you get no actions you don't like necessarily lose stuff unless you're the eerie you would lose points but you are actually passively scoring points anyway so like you're both losing and gaining points in that situation um it's not like we don't penalize you for points or anything like that, but it is like you lose actions in the game. Your ability to like act and do stuff is restricted by the amount of time you have. So it should be random. If you're if also if you have seven cards or whatever, yeah, you could lose too. <laughs> like, I think I think that's a good solution. Is it's random? Like I kind of like that too. I was thinking initially that you'd give them a thirty second timer so they're they you could not remove that agency. Like if you if you're at zero then you're di- you're drawn discard which every faction has drawn discard down right there's no one that yeah. has that exception so it's always a 30 second thing and that they then if they disobey that it's random but or it's just they, it's random yeah i think it should just be random i also don't want to add more timers that was the other yeah. thing i wanted to is i just want one clock one clock yeah that you can pause and then hit to end your turn that's it the, i want it to be as minimal as possible because I just don't want it to be like there's like three different like, right. Sets but you of do timers. want it. To, you don't want you don't want to leave any pockets where people could dilly dally. Is what you're trying to avoid, right? Correct. So, well, even in combat, there is that because if you stop the timer to resolve, do you have an ambush? I mean, 
we're we're being a little picky here, but it is a it is a pocket they could hide in of like deciding and debating. I do think that like deciding whether to use an ambush is a real yes struggle sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an um, interesting point if we're talking about from a watchability standpoint. It's a time in the game where I'm interested. <laughs> a battle's about there, to happen. For sure. Does he have an ambush? I've been counting. I don't know if he does. You know, stuff like that. So I, I, I'm that one. If because it's like you can't take back the action, right? You said right. I'm in a battle, so we know you're rolling the dice. Yes, it's happening. So you can table talk all you want. And even at that time, I'm interested to hear when these table talk pockets are going to be too. That's kind of my like lingering question. Everything you have a really smart solution for here, Kyle. And I think it's as clear and straightforward as you could be. I'm actually impressed that you've gotten it. So considering how many variables and how crazy things get in root, but I I'm still like, table talk has to occur on your time like because there's all these like pockets where we're coming out of time right you said swap me battles like what's what's the punishment i mean i don't want there to be but like what's what's the recourse there if people start table talking during those timing windows yeah so with the timing windows anytime the clock is paused which by the way there's only four things that you pause a clock for legally uh combat resolving a crafted improvement and there's only three that matter it's uh coffin makers swap meet and false orders those are the only ones that have any bearing on the paused clock um excuse me stand and deliver (laughs) somebody craft it somebody craft it for the challenge people uh stand and deliver i guess as well yeah hilariously in in my original version i do have stand and deliver there but uh because the next major tournament is only using ENP. Uh, uh, I decided to just focus on the ENP deck for this. Um, what? That was just breaking news. We just kind of like subtly talked about. I guess that's maybe not official news yet, but that's what I've been told is going to happen. Oh, <laughs> all right. Maybe well, we this, if you're it. hearing this listeners, then Garrick has confirmed it. Otherwise Jake has edited this out. Future Jake here, an unnamed source close to Garrick has stated that the EMP-only aspect of the next winter tournament is a likely possibility, though it's still in the rumor phase. But I'm just going to leave this in here, because I can. Yeah, probably not a base deck tournament. <laughs> I'm mad. I, w- I, I felt like Garrick was on my side. We talked last year about like i was like what's up why no base deck is an option and he's like i know right cole just like wanted it to be like this and now if he's gonna like be like that's what i think too i'm like i think he lied to me yeah we'll just call it cole's decision i guess (laughs) uh the the leader gods have made their commandment known the leader Um, leaders (laughs) yeah so okay clock those are the only two game reasons to pause the clock the Crafted two out of game reasons, battle. yeah, yeah. The the out of game reasons are like if there's a rules question, you can pause the clock, right? Or like if you need to call an arbiter or whatever for whatever reason. Uh, and two is if you discover a whoopsie. Mm, that was my that needs question. To yeah, be resolved. You can pause the clock. Now, Sam, you're giving me this look as like this is the fishiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Think about the last game of Root that you played on TTS. Mm-hmm. Was there a whoopsie at any point during that game? I was playing with pros, so um, probably not, but... Oh, probably. setup was full of whoopsies. <laughs> setup, and then, like, the first turn, there was, just, like, a lot... Oh, we, we also played with hirelings, so we had to go back and roll dice a bunch of times, and, like... Oh, was... oh, yeah, the last game that we all played? Oh, yeah. a bunch, yeah. 
Bunch of whoopsies. So to me, it's like if somebody else makes a mistake that impacts your turn and you discover it on your turn and it's like, oh, there's an extra warrior in this clearing that should have been removed or like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like those things happen. And I think the most fair thing is to pause the clock, resolve the whoopsie and then unpause and keep going. All right. That makes now, sense. what happens if you're Sam DeRose and you uh-huh. do the thing where you go, hey, uh, shouldn't that warrior have lived off the land? I, I pause my clock. I go pause. Hey, shouldn't that warrior have lived off the land? And then somebody says, oh, no, no, I already did that. And I go, you sure? Because I think there were three there. And then somebody goes, yeah, 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 yeah no, there were three there. Yeah. And At that it- point, you can make a claim to an arbiter be like, um, I just want to check with Garrick just to make sure. Like, I'm going to check with okay. the chat just to see. You can leave your clock pause for that because you are making a claim or like you are asking for a clarification. Okay. Once that's resolved, though, you unpause and move on. Yeah. And I've I haven't heard that like any arbiter that's like called to offer whatever has the authority to just like unpause a clock. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, love that. Yeah. And the thing is, is because the paused clock is like its own whole like little pocket uh, with little opportunities to try and like s- steal some time or whatever. If a player is abusing the paused clock, oh yeah, there is a uh, there's a punishment for that. Yeah, and it's the what standard is it? chess punishment, which is you get two minutes deducted from your clock. Ooh, I was hoping a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> two of those turn into a fox card. <laughs> I was hoping something physical. Like the, <laughs> like the arbiter like wraps you with wraps you on the knuckles with his cane or something. Just shoots you with a squirt gun. <laughs> it's impractical though, guys. That's impractical. Really entertaining though. Really inter- good watchability. <laughs> but yeah, abusing the pause clock, you get deducted two minutes. It's okay. a pretty standard uh penalty I just got from Jess. Yeah, that's I think I think that's pretty reasonable. Two minutes means less in root, but I think the way things would time out here. That makes sense. Yeah, you lose your increment right. for that turn, right? Right. So here's here's where I've arrived at. It feels like the thing that's risky to do here is talk too much. And I worry that that might incentivize more heads down. Uh, some people have called it Euro route, where you're just trying to make the most efficient thing with your own faction and less about the entanglement at the table. What do you say to my skepticism? I think that a skilled player will spend the smallest amount of time possible on the faction mechanics, Mm -hmm. giving them time to do two things that are important in Root. One is cooperate Mm -hmm. and make alliances. And two pause and strategize about what they're going to do. If you have the luxury to do both because you've spent your time well, then good on you. Um, To me, it's like if I'm going to make a pitch to somebody, I'm probably doing it on my turn. And if I'm doing it on their turn and they're in time pressure, they probably might not have time to like work with me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even if that's like, you know, objectively my best shot at winning the game is like getting the lizards to do this crusade that I really want them to do right now. Right. It's like they have the option to work with you or turn you down. And like, I see this as being hopefully incentivizing just like good mechanics because like we all want that window to influence another player 
to like help it go our way. And hopefully that's in both of our best interests. To me though, it's like you get that luxury by playing fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, leaving time for yourself to like, ha- you know, make an ally later in the game. And I also think that it's kind of good to shoot from the hip sometimes in route. Cause like you don't know what's going to happen in a game. And sometimes the best laid, actually frequently the best laid plans get like immediately turned on their head mm-hmm. by some event. So like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that we're going to be losing too much of like the nuance of the game of Thrones of root or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't know, late in the game of root, like we, there's just not that many. You want that tension. Super interesting conversations that like go past the four hour mark. You know what I mean? Sometimes it does <laughs> happen, I guess, but like, at a certain point, it's like, we just need the game to move on. And, like, a decision just has to get made, and we can't be stuck in analysis paralysis forever. And, like, shooting from the hip can be valuable, because you buy yourself more time for later on. Mm-hmm. And kind of picking and choosing what moments are important, I think, right. is, like, part of that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it wouldn't lead to too much heads-down play, because, uh, for me at least, even in the fastest TTS game I've ever played, like, there was still lots of chat. That happens just based on the fact that we are in a voice call together. We are at the same virtual table. Mm-hmm. You can see people make a move and go, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I get, yeah, I think like talking not on your turn is. So that's an interesting thing. Are you talking to the player whose turn it is? Or are you talking to someone else? Yeah, this either way, that... like I would have a real issue if my turn was being tied and two other players are talking to each other because. I don't know. Yeah. For me and my focus, just audio, I, I, it overrides everything for me. Yeah. And in chess, you're not allowed to speak to your opponent, right? Correct. Yeah, that's not an issue in chess for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's something that I think would... This just needs to be playtested a couple more times to like... Oh, talk to me about the playtest. Um, it needs to become more robust. So I've playtested it just on myself Yeah. for every faction. Okay. And it seems doable to be honest. like 30 minutes seems generous honestly <laughs> yeah now did you find um, yourself I, arguing with yourself a lot during the table talk discussion <laughs> um do you yes, have an only... ambush <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know he has an ambush i know he does <laughs> i yeah i guess to road test it with other players like it shouldn't be the case that you have to like wait for other players to finish their deal or whatever so that you can make progress or so you can like focus enough to make progress in your turn. Mm-hmm. Like that seems kind of unfair to me. And I don't really have a clean solution for that. It's like it would maybe in the cleanest of all worlds require some kind of like, I want to initiate table talk. What do you think? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I think that's what it is, is you push the call button and offer for your timer to start out of your turn maybe. And there's to stop if you're, if you're not in your turn. And they have to accept the call. That's kind of interesting. I'd like to say something to you. <laughs> They're like, okay, I'll pause my timer. And like, okay, they start theirs. They say their piece, and then they can either stop that the, the, their other person continues their turn, and then they can decide how to respond, kind of thing. Yeah, that's actually a fascinating idea. I think that's kind of interesting because then it's like it does cost you something very tangible to initiate table talk, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. Like you are basically wagering time to try and influence somebody at a particular moment and that somebody is incentivized to let you because their timer stops for a second so they 
maybe they'll just ignore you because they they know what you're gonna say and use that time to keep thinking and that's up to them uh, very possible yeah. yeah i mean that's the risk you take i guess yeah. table talk right it's an unreceptive audience mm-hmm. you have to you have to be persuasive well uh, that's what i like about it is if it if it if the responsibility is still on your own timer it requires efficiency in your communication as well <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's interesting. I do think it's kind of fascinating. I, I'm scared for people communicating under a clock. I don't think that they're going to communicate well. That's my prediction. Which could be good, but like if it's just like you have to go here or whatever, I, I immediately I'd be like, I'm not doing that. I don't like being told what to do. Exactly, and so <laughs> yeah. it requires you to be not not just efficient, but like effective. Because efficiency doesn't necessarily mean saying it fast. It means saying it means being persuasive quickly. It's just weird because I feel like those are just like great skills for an assistant manager. But it's weird that those are like the skills that we're putting on forefront for competitive board games. Well, competitive board games are dominated by assistant managers. I think you've all seen. (laughs) (laughs) That's the scene. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is this is super fascinating, and like, it's it's hard for me to like really really get into the nitty-gritty of like the table talk timer and like what that would look like i think it would be worth a try for sure and then otherwise i think it would be like the active player can ask to not have the crosstalk happen maybe it's so important Um, in root that's the tough part mm it's like it's so important for the other three players to talk a little bit on the other person's turn even though it it doesn't feel like it's Here's, necessary, but it I do feels, agree. And the, yeah. the kind of the thing is, is like it, you are giving that player a small advantage by pausing their clock in order to talk, right? Yes. Like they get time to kind of like sit back and think a little bit. Like Here's what happens practically, folks. The leader takes their turn. They're seven points clear of everyone else. Their turn ends. It now becomes three players' turns. At once, you know what I mean? Where everyone is talking, how are we going to do it? Blah, 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 you know? And it's weird because that's going to fall on someone's clock. Yeah, I agree. It gets, it's getting halting already. If like, Especially if you're like, you speak, now I speak. Like, I don't want to turn it that way. But I just think if someone initiates a conversation, it's on their timer. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The, the only thing that I get nervous about there is that I do think that might trend towards silent turns. But is, it, but like, is, that, a, is that the penalty? of bad root play is like you can't be silent you can't not table talk because you have to address the rat in the forest (laughs) yeah it's tricky i think for me the important thing is is that like you need the permission of the active player agreed to to table talk yeah that to me seems like a nice baseline at least i kind of almost think that like if the active player is okay with some table talk happening like then it's happening and it's on the active player's turn and like if you're in the three that's on right. that needs to king slay it's like okay well it's my turn now and i i have a certain amount of time to do stuff yeah. like let's let's make an a, agreement fast yeah, yeah right but then like if the person that has a big pool of time is last in turn order here then it's like it sucks that the, you know, that, yeah. that's just how the turn order goes. Here's the thing about turn order is that it's doubly great for the person who goes right before the leader. Because mm-hmm. not only is the table talk happening not on their turn, but 
they most likely will be the ones to clean up the cardboard at the end, right? We all know the 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 story that's told of like I can't get through all of that. I'll eat the warriors. You come in and get the buildings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and the last remaining warriors. So it's like, but I don't know. Uh, th- some things are just like that anyway, right? And we're just like really digging into the unfairness because we're trying to codify these like specific rules about timing because we want it to be as fair as possible. Um, Right. But some parts of the game aren't fair and maybe, you know, I think like you said, Kyle, I think more playtesting needs to be done just to like see how much of an issue this is. Cause I'm just like, Trying to well, find the it, holes, right? You of know? course, of course. But think about think about it like this. So let's say that somebody's seven points ahead. Yep. Their turn ends. The next player's turn begins. And somebody else at the table is like, okay, well, we have to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And the active player is like, yes, we're, all right, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And a discussion ensues. It's like those three players are incentivized to communicate quickly so that the player they're trying to influence has enough time to like do the thing right Mm -hmm. so they're they're doing their thing they're working it out turn progresses mid-turn the leader is like hey wait i i want to give my pitch here for why i don't think you should do this next thing the active player is like if they're if they choose to listen to it that's like i guess that's a choice they could make Mm -hmm. but like wouldn't the player in the lead just try and stall for time at that point so like they can just shut it down at whatever point and be like I'm not going to hear it. I'm going to keep going with my turn. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of would like let the market decide in that sense. And that players will spend their turn sufficiently if it's beneficial to do so. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't, I'm not sure that we would need to police put a it. meter on, yeah. on table talk. I think players should build that into their, should budget time for that. Ooh, <laughs> that's now I'm skeptical because like it just, it can get out of control. It could like half the time, but also like pausing and unpausing could easily yes, also no, get. I, I, no, I, don't, I, yeah. I like Very... I like the simplicity of the chaos and like build it in. I think yeah. that's a better solution than the fiddliness of pausing because like the more pockets you create sure. out of time and the more like time shifts, the more gray areas there become. Absolutely, me. I think yeah, one of the true. things about this pitch that's really strong is how sleek it is. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't want multiple timers, like anything like that. So the, I think one of the ground rules maybe should be that the active player can um, ask for silence or whatever. Yeah. Can, like ask for quiet. I think that's a fair request. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in in that way would like, you know, kind of save the table talk for the person's turn who's doing the talking. Mm-hmm. But some of the players can be like, I, I have a pitch for you. Are you open to it? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to ask as well. Right. And yeah. then if players are trying to abuse it, then like we'll dock two minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can make a claim. I think that's fine. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. In, in all these cases, it's just like you, it's, it's so tricky to think like a player who wants to game the system, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, create a rule set that is like easy to use and kind of, in, kind of invisible for the most part, or like not too intrusive at least. Yeah. Like philosophically, what, I, what I'm thinking is that like time is a resource, kind of like how every action in Root is a resource. You you like start with this pool and it, and you spend it to do stuff. Mm-hmm. You spend it to think. Like they get 38 minutes of thinking time and curling, 
It's like you are spending that time to think. You I can't believe I was wrong about curling. <laughs> I'm still upset. I'm still upset. So what I was going to say here, Kyle, is that it's I, I appreciate you doing all this legwork on it and crunching it as much as you have. I know how you get when you get fixated on something, and it seems like you've poured that uh, effort into this. And I think it's for a noble cause because I think we're trying to make root. We're trying to elevate it to that next level of competition. Um, and with that is going to have to come, you know, like watchability and, uh, uh, you know, at the and like, and, and fairness to a degree, because I think we did see occasionally in a game or two things stretched out to the point where people got frustrated Mm-hmm. And it it didn't become the same game. It's it's like why you don't want like the teams on a sports team to actually fight unless it's hockey, I guess. Um, but like you don't want them to actually physically fight each other because you're like, well, that's not the game. That's not what we're trying to measure here. Yeah. You know, even though I get that you're competitive and you don't want that team to win. We don't want you to actually punch them again unless it's hockey. And again, the <laughs> thing that like really sold me was I watched a game in the winter tournament where the faction that won the Erie took the longest amount of time for their turns Mm -hmm. of any faction in the game Mm -hmm. and they won and it's like well of course they did Mm -hmm. because they had they just had unlimited time to like do a perfect turn and Mm -hmm. like not mess up and to me it just it felt like you know they're they're exploiting or like they're able to exploit time as a resource there and in a way that other factions really aren't and um I, th- I think it's leveling in a certain way, and uh, I agree. I think it would make the game more kind of dramatic and fun. There's always drama in, like, a ticking clock as well, which I think yeah. is, is always interesting. It's interesting to see somebody who's like, okay, I have, like, four minutes. It's the end of a game of Root. I have four minutes. Ugh. Let's do this. Let's oh. go. I got to get to Brigadier <laughs> so I can do two battles in a row so I can, like, catch my breath. Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah, forget about it. I would have lost so many of those games. Well, I don't know how long I took on my first turns, but I always on the last turn was like, I profusely apologize to my fellow players, but I am going to take out my headphones and write in a notebook for two minutes while I figure this out. Yeah, but two minutes is fine. Like, you you are not an egregious player in that way, Sam. You've taken some long turns, but like, we've seen crazier before from others. Yeah, 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 yeah. And hopefully, again, I I hope that this uh, has a light impact and that the game's just come in at that like two two and a half hour mark every yeah. time and then it's it's great um and we'll see we'll see how this is implemented in whatever tournament chooses to implement uh kyle's uh work here uh just like most of the things in the root community you make something and you hope people use it and i feel like you made a really uh interesting thing here kyle and i want to see it tested a lot I like that. I would love to see a test as well. I think the one obstacle right now that's uh, holding it back, the ideas are there, and I think the architecture is good. At least from the testing that I've been able to do, it seems like solid enough for for a start. The way to make progress now is we need a TTS clock setup that is like expressly for this. Two-minute increment, ability to pause and unpause. Oh, that should be pretty doable isn't there like a chess mod with it well sort of but it gets tricky because of multiple players Mm. oh usually for chess right it's like you hit the your clock stops and your opponent immediately starts Mm. it's really easy to do that kind of thing but like multiple players there's more yeah there's more coding involved in that tricky stuff that goes into that 
Do you picture it being automatic or manual? Here's what I picture. The, in the best of all possible worlds, here's what would happen. You know the like end turn button that's in the yeah. top center of your screen? When you click that, your turn ends, your clock stops, you get two minutes increment. Okay? When your turn starts, you get that blink, your clock would start. Yeah. That, to me, would be the most ideal. And then the only thing you would have to do to interact with the clock is pause and unpause it. Yeah. It would be just tied to the turn timer. It seems like an easy thing to do in like stream yards like it seems like really easy to do on the streaming front but the players would be unaware of that so that's not good because you want the players to be like aware of their time objects on the table yeah. that everyone can see because it, it should be public information like right who's got you know dwindling time or whatever mm-hmm. the other thing that should be on the clock is a minus two minutes button or like a way to adjust oh right minute by minute kind of thing um, just in case there's any, like, cause sometimes with the turn order, like you can click through it a couple of times and just to get around to the right person's right. turn or like something gets shuffled around. Oh, and I just right. don't want that to like suddenly add like eight minutes of time to everyone's clock and it get weird, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of a game. So yeah, there's, there's probably going to be some TTS jank to figure out with, uh, implementing a clock, but ideally tying it to the turn timer would be awesome. And it would be the, the least, like you wouldn't have to even think about it. It's right. just like, nope, my time's going. Here we go. And that'd be fun too, right? Like you wouldn't have to upkeep it as much. You just have to remember to pause and unpause. And in the rule set, I've got the pause and unpause for everything as a may. So that like, we don't have to like stop the game in case somebody forgot to pause their <laughs> clock for combat or whatever. It's just like, remember to, because it's helpful, but like the game can kind of continue to flow unimpeded is, is the goal. Uh, next time we play, we should do it. I think it'd be fun. Modders out there, if you got a clock idea, a yeah, way to the, do this. This week's challenge <laughs> is to make the root timer in Tabletop Simulator. All right. Are you guys ready for my, my closing sentence here? Yeah. Yes. Root continues to be one of the most dynamic and exciting competitive games in the world. My hope is that by offering a structured vision of how to implement the clock in tournament play, Root will become a more thrilling spectacle and acquire a new dimension of strategic depth. Ultimately, by including time as a limited resource, I hope to encourage players to make the most of every moment and grow in their facility with every faction. Yeah. Wow. That's and that's good. your time. And that was perfect. That was great. I also, th- I was worried that each faction was going to have such a complicated, like, series of must-dos, but I, I see them laid out here before me. I'm sure we'll share them with the uh, audience in some way here. Yeah, I've got it on a color-coded chart, you guys. It's all laid out. It's no more complicated than any, like, crafted improvement of, like, <laughs> you just skip all the things that you no- you don't must do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's pretty straightforward. Most of them here. are pretty easy, honestly. Yeah. 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 Like we said, the birds it, Again, it's all and, yeah. birdsong and evening, except yeah. for the eerie. Yeah. You just turmoil. <laughs> uh, Keepers and Iron actually gets my, my prize for the most brutal one. <laughs> Keepers and Iron, you skip everything. You live off the land, and then you draw cards and discard. <laughs> just you just lose warriors, and then draw cards. That's okay. It. Oh, here's one. Probably not going to happen again because it's in in the early times. But choosing a new mood. It says choose a new mood. If you run right. out of time, you get to choose. Maybe it's random. That yeah. could be another candidate for random. Yeah, the eerie leaders too. It should be the same. It should be consistent. I think with the eerie leaders, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, when there's a choice that must be made, it should be right. random, essentially. Same with discarding. <sighs> that is 
so brutal. I love it. I don't know. Okay, Again, I mean that actually happen. seems pretty People fair. People are going to choose a mood before they run out of time, most likely. Right. Even it, if well, you ran yeah. out of time and you have two minutes, you're still going to get to the mood part. I would think it's in birdsong. Except yeah. for raising, might take a while. I guess I don't know. No, rolling. The, remembering to roll the mob die is going to take a minute. Just being like, <laughs> oh, I guess I could put it in this fox clearing. Or oh no, I'm out of time. Yeah, right. that's a, that's a great pitch, guys. I think we've evolved this document and gotten it even one step closer towards perfection yeah oh some a uh, little trivia quickly before we before we go uh, i mentioned there's three factions that are capable of automatically scoring points mm-hmm. uh that's the eerie with their roosts at the very end of their turn uh the river folk with dividends so even if they run out of time right. they would still score dividends uh and the rats uh oppress yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of their turn that is an automatic scoring mechanism uh, there's two factions that automatically recruit warriors. Mm-hmm. That's the Duchy uh, and the Lord of the Hundreds. Both automatically recruit, even if they've run out of time. Which, again, I guess there would be a choice sometimes about anointing. where that would happen. But right, anointing, I guess, would be a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who gets anointed? It would be hard to do that randomly. Yeah, but that it's like one of the first things that happens in the turn. Like I'm not too worried. About I don't think that. it's gonna happen. But also, you just be like, choose now. And they're like, how much time do I have? You're like, just choose one. You know what I mean? If you ran out of two minutes just figuring out your anoint, <laughs> you deserve what happens. Yeah. All right, I'm going to roll a 34-sided die, one for each of the rats. This one's <laughs> number 17. <laughs> the Woodland Alliance and the Corvids share the most streamlined timeout faction award with only one required step, which is to draw cards and discard. <laughs> that is it. I think that the birdsong timeouts are going to be pretty uncommon, I guess, like we've mentioned. And then the last thing is that factions that have very lengthy, complicated engines are going to be under the most pressure mm-hmm. from the time format, which is great because those also tend to be the factions that when their complicated yeah. engine is fully online can overmatch everybody else. Yeah, it's true. So there's a nice kind of like push-pull like, as you g- grow increasingly complex, it's more demanding of this time resource. So, like, m- consider that. Think about it. Um, here's uh, here's a thing I thought of. If you do the Vagabond items randomly, um, I guess you do the Satchel items randomly. Because I was, like, worried about, like, what if you draw out a bag and then you have to discard two more items? Like, that's just, like, really punishing on some random luck. Um, but I guess you'd only randomize the satchel items, which a, a a exhausted bag could be in, but that wouldn't be contributing to the overall satchel limit. So I guess that'd be fine. So wait, you're saying that you could randomly discard items that yeah, are over the satchel? As long as you limit? randomly discard from the satchel instead of like from the whole board, right? Like the tea and the coins and the bag, right? Would not right, be since they're not actually in right the satchel, right? Ooh, brutal. Okay. Yeah, so you, luckily it avoids that brutality. Because if you have an exhausted bag, your satchel limit is already what it's at, right? So if, right, you get, right, if right. that gets discarded, whatever, right? Um, Sorry, oh, damaged be... items versus... They are in the satchel. They are part of the satchel. Right, so I guess like technically practically when you randomize that, I was thinking about throwing them into a bag, but that might be a little tricky when they're like damaged, which means they're in a different spot. And Correct, yeah. Maybe it's damaged items first or something like that. Oh, that's a, yeah. I, 
<laughs> I think random is the most fair there. It's but consistent. how do you randomize damaged and undamaged? You right. get what, how many? How at max? How many could there be? Twelve. Well, if you damaged 12? a bunch of bags, then you might have to get rid of like multiple items at once. Right, like, right, right, right. At at most, how many items could would we have to account for? At most, yeah. uh, what's the absolute maximum what? amount of items the vagabond can have in its satchel? Yes, um, untold. That is a great question. All right, the four ruin items, uh, maybe starting with three, and then the twelve other well, items. Well, one of those 19. ruin items is a bag. Uh, there's uh, four starting items, I guess. So I think twenty is my my. Oh, perfect. Then, math then a d twenty. There you go. Great. You're right. That's you're right. It. You're right. Just roll a d twenty. What if it's a nineteen though? I used to re-roll. All right. You just re-roll. <laughs> what if it's a prime number? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think for the Vagabond's items, it's probably going to have to be a weird system like damage items first. <laughs> yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, that one's a little tricky. That's a little All right, tricky. we got some homework to do. And honestly, listeners, you do too. We'll start. I think we're definitely going to start a thread just on this whole, like, actually, you started a thread already on the turn timer, didn't there, you? There is a thread yeah. where you can find the uh, most updated version of this document um, to go and leave comments on, to give us some feedback and stuff. I, th- because uh, we're in the idea generation phase essentially like i have this document but i want to hear from all of you guys about what you know what holes did you find what what other considerations do you have what what have we not thought about what angle of this has been unexplored um i want to make it as robust as possible and that requires all of you out there so help us out go take a look at this thing it's got lots of cool photos and um charts and stuff so but jake (laughs) how can we help how do we get in touch with kyle well, you join the Good Time Society Discord, and you join the Woodland War Machine channel, and if you're really gregarious, you'll give yourself that WWM role, so you can get notified whenever we ask questions of the Wimmies. Ooh, super helpful. And if you're feeling extra, extra gregarious, you can join the Patreon for the entire Good Time Society. That's right. You can support an entire society, and we're just having a good time. <laughs> Brag about it to your friends. It's got lots of great content. Two Player Tuesday's been killing it. You guys have been posting stuff like every day, I feel like. Yeah, we're shooting tomorrow, as a matter of fact, another how to game tutorial. Uh, We've been been busy in the fall here. It's been great. Guys, was this the most, like, in the weeds, like, dorky episode we've ever recorded? No, 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 no. This was the most professional um, pitch (laughs) that I've ever been pitched. This was okay. Yeah, this was more of a. This was our most presentational episode, I think. Yeah, I well, right. (laughs) This is the most thorough outline, I think. It's like (laughs) eleven pages essay. Just want to give a special uh, shout out. Thank you to uh, the folks in our Discord who've already taken a look at this and and helped me out with their feedback already. That's Matt from Space Cats Peace Turtles. Big shout out, Uh, Nick Al. Gio Morgski and PJ Darkar for their insights and their questions. Uh, and then huge special thanks to Garrick with whom I was able to like ping pong some ideas and do some workshopping. Um, thank you to everybody. This is the best community ever. Th- well, this is so much fun. Thanks for being receptive to this idea, guys. Uh, I Thanks for building it. Spent a long time making it. Yeah, you it. really did. I was like, I think we were both like, oh, 
he actually has it all done already. <laughs> I was I came to this expecting like this was the brainstorming session, and you'd actually did that like two weeks ago already. <laughs> I wanted to be prepared for today. Yeah. When I visited in New York, I mean, this is the conversation Kyle and I had while I was supposed to be hanging out with other people. <laughs> it was a whole party, and I just talked to Kyle about Root. Something I guess I get to do all the time, but it felt different in person, and I was really excited about this idea. So, and we went to his apartment, and there were just clocks everywhere. <laughs> Kyle is the time master. <laughs> well, you know what the woodland clock strikes uh, at midnight? What it says. <laughs> 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 no, no, I don't. It goes. That was the least professional delivery we've ever had of that outro. <laughs> really nailed that. <laughs> oh, you know what we didn't get to? So that'll be the end of the audio file, and then you splice in the, the thing at the beginning that we said would be at the end. <laughs> there. Wait, what? <laughs> so remember at the beginning when we were like, let's just do the after show stuff. <laughs> yeah. I want. <laughs> you want it to be implied that we didn't do it, so we should do it again? <laughs> Wait, Wait no, no. <laughs> I just thought like I'd cue it up. <laughs> you don't cue up something we already did, though. No, but you're gonna put it after the show. He's doing the end of a prog end. album thing, where like it's you if you loop back to the beginning of the album, it like starts to play from there. It's the Crane Wife three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the very end of it. No. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't mean the very end, so then if they are, are listening to it and it repeats the track, it goes back into the intro. <laughs> no. What you mean is you're leading in the clip from the beginning. Yes! It doesn't need yes. to lead it. It doesn't need to lead it. it. It comes from the silence. It's like this random <laughs> clip. But we didn't forget it. Well. <laughs> I mean, you do what you do. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to backseat edit here. I'm just, you know, I was just trying to give you an option. No, I'm just giving options. No, we've entered our prog phase for sure. I'm I'm into it. I think it's cool. Um, it it, it, it ties back to the time travel stuff that we brought up earlier. Uh, right. Well, they won't know that. Oh. It'll seem seamless to them. <laughs> oh, you know what we forgot to talk about? <laughs> oh no, we're in a loop. Oh man. I, I, I think I'll actually add 50 minutes of audio, and then everyone. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be, oh, you know, we forgot to talk about. <laughs> and then it's the time travel movie discussion again, but I'll make subtle changes. <laughs> and as the timeline keeps subtly changing, you know, maybe we'll like different movies.
Yeah. Eventually, I'm replaced by a velociraptor. <laughs> All of your dialogue is just... Wow. <laughs> I got to stop starting episodes like that. <laughs> I just edited the last, the 50th episode where you started with wow. I was like, okay, maybe he wants me to do this line for line. <laughs> something about you brought in these decorations for your own surprise party or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, start again. Sorry. All right. Wow. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cut all of this. This is, I like how you had bonus stuff at the end. Let's, let's. Let's do more bonus stuff. <laughs> we can do more bonus stuff. Do you want to do a bonus thing now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this <laughs> this is the bonus part. Okay, this is the bonus part. <laughs> okay. What's the most underrated time travel movie? Primer. Primer. I feel like Primer's pretty well regarded as the greatest, right? Because this everybody who listens to a podcast will say Primer. <laughs> and so we're all No, agreement. the answer is Primer because it's it's the the thing that gets you from I've seen time travel movies to like I appreciate time travel as an art form. Mm. I think it's mm. that's the bridge media piece of content for me is primer. It just does something fun and like goes beyond gimmick into something more kind of like fascinating, I think. I'm going with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Ooh. The you, sequel. You, you both picked Two pretty beloved films. <laughs> I said underrated. Is, is Bogus Journey right up there with Primer? I mean, Bill, Bill and Ted is popular amongst the people that grew up with it. Sure. And Primer is like, it's our generation Citizen Kane. <laughs> We're all in agreement. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. But also Primer is like a hard sell for people who are like yes. not interested. You know what I mean? They look at yeah. it and they're like, it seems like it's got pretty low resolution. Like... Yeah, the lighting's weird. I don't know anybody in it. It seems complicated and hard. The lighting's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a independent film a guy made in his condo, and that is both like a slight and very true, and it's also very good. It's kind of what makes it even more kind of like eerie yeah. and interesting, actually, in my opinion. I think it's. Cool. I was obsessed with that movie for a couple of years. I thought it was <laughs> phenomenal. Why is his hand shaky? 
Um, <laughs> my wife, Rachel, loves time travel movies and and shows. And there's this one show called Travelers. And it is the show that she loves that no one else has watched. And so if anyone listening to this has seen the show Travelers, I need you to message me and I will get you in contact with my wife because she needs somebody to talk about this show with. Don't tell Rachel, but I, you've told me this before. You told me it's like a year ago. And I, when I was about to have the baby, I was like, maybe I hard binge Travelers and surprise Rachel one day with like a season six question just out of the blue yeah. where she doesn't know I watch Travelers. But you didn't. Or did you try? I put in no effort. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> well, future Jake did. It's just a matter of when <laughs> he puts in the effort. Um, so I, I time travel in several episodes. <laughs> here's here's the time travel piece of media that I think everyone should watch. It's Dark. Oh yeah. The TV dark. show Dark. It's like this German television show. It is so great. I'm like late to the party as usual, but I, like I'm, I just started season two, and like. It is just, it's beautiful, it's, like, moody, and all the characters are, like, really flawed in interesting ways. Uh, The acting is amazing, the storytelling, it keeps getting more, like, riveting as it goes along. Like, there's more questions that keep leading to more questions, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But it does it really well, and everything's, like, very tight. So, dark. Check it out. Is it a German show? It is German, yeah. So, it's German with subtitles. There there is a dub version as well. Yeah, Um, read the subtitles, right? It's just like the actors are so good. I love hearing their voices. Yeah. It always feels a little like I get like kicked out, like bumped out of the immersion with the dub sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And animation, it's like one thing, but like live action, I feel it really hard. <laughs> totally. Have you guys seen, speaking of foreign time travel films, have you seen Time Crimes? No, but no. that I have to write this down for Rachel. <laughs> that title slaps, though. <laughs> Rachel will like this movie. Well, in Spanish, I'll see. It would be Chrono Crimes. <laughs> Chronos Crimes. Hold on, time crimes. It's from like the early aughts, uh, 2007. I think it's better that I don't tell you anything about this movie. I agree. Yeah, I think this one you should go into without knowing anything about the plot because it's it's kind of that important. So don't don't Wikipedia it. Just rent it and watch it and let me know. Go in blind. Go in yeah. blind. Um, it's cousin film, the multiverse film, I feel like is having a big moment right now. I mean, Everything Everywhere All at Once was, I think, my favorite film I've seen in the theater in the past, like, eight years. Yeah. The best thing I've, best movie theater experience I've had since I saw Cats. Oh, my God, <laughs> Cats. That was one of my favorite movies of all time. No, I Watch thought the, the movie was was atrocious, but my experience in the theater was right. transcendent. Yes, yeah, absolutely. 